If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me tell hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today, I have my good friend Andrew Mondion as we talk NBA hoops. Um, Andrew, welcome back, and we're right in the thick of everything about two weeks before playoffs start, so I thought it would be great to have Andrew on as we just kind of recap the playoff races and a lot of interesting things are happening between both of our teams with Portland Trailblazers. I'm there. I feel like there's like a crying emoji associated with that, and then my Nets probably, I don't know, I feel like they're gonna miss the playoffs right yeah now. i'd say i'm the crying emoji you're maybe uh, either the thinking emoji the guy with the glass the, the monocle, monocle emoji right, exactly or maybe the upside down smiley face emoji. yeah yeah so it's but not looking great for both of our teams right now yeah, for but there's different still, reasons there's still a lot to discuss and uh i haven't completely given up hope yet and i hope you haven't either um it's been a while since we did this i think the last time we did one of these well we did the one with chris for for the ncaa tournament um, but I think the last time we did this, it was before we went to to see the Nets game, the next Blazers game. So right, right. I think it was like late January or something. So yeah, it's yeah, been a I hot sec. It's interesting because on my drive over here, I feel like it's an interesting period for the NBA right now as we were getting ready to record this. Like I wanted to record one because we hadn't talked in a while and I think there is enough. But do you think a lot of people outside of like it feels like a lot of people aren't really paying attention to the NBA right now, except for hardcore heads. I feel like the NCAA tournament's captured a little bit more interest than usual. I don't know. Do you feel the well, same way or no? Zion mania, obviously. Yeah. Don't you think? You think like, so? Yeah, I just feel like Zion's kind of captured everyone's attention and his potential. Everyone. So do you think, let's just start off with Zion, I guess. Do you think Zion's kind of, is the best prospect, I guess, since KD, since LeBron? I don't, I really, I honestly don't know because I feel other than maybe last, other than maybe last year, uh, even though we both agreed Doncic should go number one, I feel like there's always a clear cut number one other than like maybe the Anthony Bennett year. Even like when there was like kind of like Towns Okafor, Towns was kind of the... I feel like it's always the, the best since blah, blah, blah. Right. Honestly, the best since, I, you know who I would say he's the most hyped since? As we were, and this is inspired by a conversation we had the other day, and I'm not saying he's a similar player by any means. Andrew Wiggins would actually be who I'd go back to. Uh, he's the most hyped prospect since Andrew Wiggins. Is he the best since, I don't know, Davis? Maybe. But uh, it's been a while since you've had this, like, player at the top who it's like is the clear-cut number one and possibly thought about as a guy who has a potential to be a top three player in the league right and I think everyone's keyed in on the NCAA tournament because of the implications that it does have for the NBA draft and these are the future stars of the NBA whereas in in the NBA it's kind of like we're just anticipating all the stuff that's going to happen mm-hmm. for the playoffs and i guess unless you're a hardcore hoops head that's yeah. into the nba and really keyed into it it i i, ju- I don't 
it, it feels like the dog days kind yeah. of. Before. Well, what about what about this also? And we didn't even discuss because we've d- haven't done this podcast in so long. Is the fact that LeBron James like that wave has crested, and we know he's missing the playoffs and not gonna be like in general aren't the biggest storylines in the a- n- nba like number one the warriors and number two lebron james right so uh, since going into the playoffs there's no real lebron james narrative like there was a lot of discussion over the past couple weeks mm-hmm. i don't know how much of it you want to talk well, about here well but i just feel like there's not much that, drama yeah that's what i'm saying Th- i think that absence has allowed maybe the tournament to step because i agree with you that zion's important but most of my friends who I, I talk about sports with and are after the injury, everyone wanted to talk about that. Right. But now I don't think it's like, oh, what about Zion? I think it is some in some, but I do think the tournament as a whole, despite it being not that good, has has mattered. And I don't have I usually just have friends asking, especially as I've gotten more like doing this podcast with you and kind of been more of an NBA guy. I have kind of friends talking to me about the nba pretty regularly and i just feel like it's it's hasn't really been so much lately i think it'll ramp up again for sure in the next couple weeks right right i mean as soon as the ncaa tournament or finishes the nba playoffs i think start up so that's probably yeah yeah yeah. but i think you've keyed in on it that there's no and and as we were discussing what to talk about for this podcast uh today like there's no dominant narrative going on right now you can lead with any one of a few things because if we had done this podcast two weeks ago it would have a million percent LeBron. been lebron right but right now there's no the mvp talk is something interesting and we'll we'll get into some of that today i'm sure but um yeah it's an interesting time but but at the same time it is an exciting time sort of because there's so much kind there, of up in the air right, still right. to be decided everything isn't LA centric, yeah, uh, it's going probably on. a good thing, which is honestly. a great thing because it gives attention to all these other teams yeah. that are really fascinating and they yeah. have fascinating stories. I mean, let's get into the LA stuff a little bit yeah. because I think that's important to talk about, yeah. even though maybe even if we just gloss over it really quickly yeah. for five maybe minutes, it, maybe a couple weeks out, and that we have some better context as opposed to like two weeks ago when we would have been regurgitating the same probably right. I mean, four points over and wh- over again. Like, what are your overall thoughts on it? Because LeBron's not going to be making the playoffs for the first time in I, I don't even have the stat in front of me, but God knows how long. Like, he's made the finals eight straight Has years. he ever missed the playoffs? Maybe yeah, his first r- year. First year. I, I think it first. Yeah, maybe. I his don't first think he year. did after that though. I yeah. I highly doubt it. Yeah. So it's it's been a long time since we're not going to have LeBron in the yeah. playoffs, and I think me and you were kind of talking about this in private conversations, like. What does that mean for his legacy? What does that mean for the future of the NBA? Is this like a passing of the torch? I uh, I mean, does does it is it kind of like a anomaly or is it or is it something of signs for things to come? I think it's tough actually. Uh and I, I don't know. I was thinking, did you see that thing the other day? It's so classic and like 
if you want to look at it in that like mis- LeBron massaged media narrative. But did you see that Instagram post from like not his trainer, but like someone who he was doing rehab with? Yeah. And she was basically saying something to the effect of like, you don't know how difficult, like like how bad his injury actually was. Right, like, right. He came back way sooner than he had to, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so so and I'm using that to say this. I'm other than the fact that he got injured in a way that he really hadn't pro- in a long time. He had that two week sabbatical. I think the I don't know if that was a Miami that was a Miami year, yeah, the la- yeah. like second to last Miami year, the last Miami year. Other than that, he hasn't really had an injury like that, and that's something to take note of going forward. Like, will his body start to break down a little bit? But at the end of the day, for LeBron personally, he did. I think he's what he did was pretty much in line with the last three seasons or so. You can point to his defense or whatever, but those things aren't what we have learned is that the flaws that were exposed in the last couple Cavs years are there and weren't just a microcosm of him of that team specifically although this laker team is not too far off probably in makeup from what those Cavs teams were right so honestly i think it's more of the same what we learned and what zach lowe this is probably my favorite point someone's made about lebron as it comes to his legacy or not in the broad sense of things i don't think it dings him that hard but at the end of the day, he moved to the Western Conference and he missed the playoffs. Like, yeah, I think that speaks for itself. Like, it doesn't mean anything bigger than what it is. It doesn't mean anything less than what it is. The injury, the talent, the Anthony Davis stuff, you know, Luke Walton, Rob Palenka. You can throw all of that stew kind of together. It's like the perfect storm of stuff that but, just but made I it think, not happen. But I think at the end of the day, like, that's... You take from it pretty much what happens, no more, no less. Right, and I think everyone's going to have their opinion on it because whether or not you like LeBron or whether or not you're like a fanboy of LeBron, you're going to kind of color it the way you want to color it. And he, for me, I think it just points to like the, the terrible management of like mm. uh, the acquiring of players it goes back to all the ESPN first takey stuff of like is Rajon Rondo and and Lance Stevenson and all these guys that are surrounding him the guys to get it done to carry them into the playoffs and i think it's more of an indictment on the front office stuff in comparison to LeBron and and a lot of people can kind of say well, LeBron's a star player. Doesn't isn't he like in control yeah. of the front office, and he doesn't he sign off on all of these moves and things? Or like is that? he suggesting this to management? Right, you know, exactly. And with the Cavs in those latter Cavs years, there were kind of rumblings about him maybe tanking the team to get that Rodney Hood, George Hill trade going, and you know, drafting Shabazz Napier the last year, and uh, then bolting. And right, so, you know, those those things have. So th- I do agree with you but that's an interesting point to put on it for sure right because for him like he's getting older and he he need he probably has a couple more years till to realistically have a shot at winning another championship with LA in the next three years or so before he really falls off a cliff it just happens with guys that are getting older into their 30s and he's a approaching his 40s close to his 40s i think he's like 33 right now but 
like I don't and I th- there's like bigger implications at play whether mm-hmm. or not like the whole Anthony Davis stuff sure. what ends up happening this summer with that and like what type of free agents they sign if they don't sign or if they don't trade for Anthony Davis this has been like a whole huge theme throughout the second half of the season there and there's nothing new to it it just becomes more and more interesting now that they've made the playoffs and there's that sense of urgency now that they feel like okay, we need to really, really make the playoffs next year or there's going to be a lot of rumblings as to why did even why did LeBron even come to L.A.? Yeah, I agree. Um, I just wanted to follow up on one thing you said, the first takey stuff about Rondo, and you don't need... It was everybody. If you go back to the first, maybe second podcast we ever did yep. where we draft the thing, I'm... I, me and you were both like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Like, this is the stupidest, this seems like a really, really bad construction. And that's kind of a thing where you can, you can really dole out the blame a lot. Rob and Magic for picking those guys in the first place. Luke Walton for maybe sticking with those guys too much instead of good turning it over to the young guys who for, you know, think what you will of Brandon Ingram and Kuzma and, you know, Josh Hart, who really probably didn't get enough time down the stretch. But those guys played the best other than other than LeBron, of course. Right. Brandon Ingram was really, really good. In he those started last turning few it games. on. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's once again there everyone has a piece of the a blame pie here, but to I thought another thing you said which was interesting was going forward. And uh I, I we could harp on this forever like what happens if they don't get Anthony Davis? What free agents will they target? Will they look to make a move? Will they do something stupid? Does anyone want to play with LeBron? But I think it's an interesting inflection point to look at. I'm just saying, like, I don't have any predictions as to what will happen, but it's definitely something to keep a note going forward. Let's see where their pick in the draft is now. They'll now be in the lottery. Um, If you're an NBA, you know... Uh, conspiracy, uh, conspiracy <laughs> right. theory. Could we get some sort of frozen envelope to swing the Anthony Davis thing? I guess that's operating from the premise that the NBA actually would want Anthony Davis to go to the Lakers. Maybe they would. Maybe right. they wouldn't. I don't know. But here's the thing. Everyone now has a chance. Walton's probably gone. But everyone else has kind of a chance to learn from their mistakes here, be it LeBron. Who right. In the style... There's been so much about his, you know, talk, ink spilled about his leadership style, his, you know. And then, on the other hand, you have Palinka and Magic, who fucked up, for, for lack of a better word. Can these people, especially LeBron, maybe, look themselves in the mirror and say, like, we all are Messed at fault. Yeah, yeah, we're all at fault here, and we need to find a better way going forward. I don't know what that better way is. Or do they just run this back, or is it like The Simpsons with uh, Sideshow Bob stepping on the rake, like, and it hits <laughs> him in the head, and then he steps on another rake? Because yep. I really don't want to do this again. Like, I, I want, I'd rather see an, a competitive Laker team, or at the very least, I'd rather see a team where, like, I'm just sick of that kind of mill. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if the extra time off from missing the playoffs for LeBron maybe recharges him a little bit for next season because maybe he gets his body right and all this is type he gonna, of stuff. Is, he's going to be shooting Space Jam too, dude. Is I know. He really he's going to be, be too tired. Yeah. Too tired. But, I mean, I think there... And this is like a 
point in itself that I thought I would bring up listening to like all these talk different talking heads in the NBA talk about like Zach Lowe would talk about Zubac and mm-hmm. that Zubac trade from Mike Muscala. I screamed and, and, about the Zubac. And, I screamed our own, about the Zubac. Our, exactly. Our own NBA insider, Andrew Ramondi, <laughs> screamed about it too. It's like that move is a microcosm in like yeah. what the the fucked upness of the LA front office is all about mm-hmm. right now and whether or not they're very forward thinking and thinking about Maybe this guy is useful for a trade that didn't even get it done at the trade deadline when he was included in the deal. And now that's one less piece that we can include. It just didn't see. And he's a useful player. You he see, was more useful than Mascala, who they traded him for. And you see with the Clippers now, he's actually being a he's actually a useful player in their rotation on a playoff team that's right now seated at like i think they're in the fifth spot right now no they're sitting at sixth right now so it's it's moves like that it makes you question whether or not la has the la front office is in the right hands to really carry this team forward so those are a lot of things to monitor i think whether or not I guess quick bullet points to wrap this all yeah. up in, in a nice tidy bow <laughs> is whether or not the the Rob Palenka Magic Johnson front office duo is going to be able to get it done and whether or not LeBron is going to be able to sustain the amount of, I guess, skill that he has right now long enough until they're able to surround him yep. with a team that is able to win and whether or not they can do it fairly quickly by the start of next year. So I don't I know we were trying to put a point on it. If we get to you know th- uh, let's say we get to January of next year and the Lakers are the 8th seed in the West. They have whoever they have. Let's not even. Right, right. What what happens then? Do you think he rides it out? Do you think we start to hear like LeBron trade, trade rumors? rumors? Yeah, and yeah. there's there's been inklings of that type of talk possibly if they start struggling next year i find it really difficult that he would leave again yeah um that would probably be more damaging to his legacy than like missing the playoffs again again, next year i would think i totally agree as assuming the team is like not much better than right in talent than this year. I mean, I think it would say a lot if he just ends up leaving and says like, all right, let me go let me go join this contender so I can like help win another playoff. It would be damaging in that no one wants to play with LeBron unless he basically goes and tags along with another team Mm. and that he can't attract free agents to come over and play with him. And that just says a lot about his legacy in a I, in a more damaging way, like you were talking about, than him just staying on L.A. and kind of enjoying the L.A. life <laughs> and sitting back watching his sons play in, in that L.A. Hanging out in the LA shop. LA high hanging out scene. in the right. shop, chopping it up with all the, you know, celebs. Right. Maybe he gets Draymond to come in two years or whatever sure. it is now that he's with Clutch. It's it, it's just really interesting because there's so many layers to it. It's not so simple at, yeah. as simple as, like, Let's just get Anthony Davis and let's call it a day. Because even if they get Anthony Davis, are they are they gonna make the 
Western Conference Finals. Like, and and a lot of that, a lot of that. And if they trade for Anthony Davis, Magic and Rob have nothing and have to build a team around. Right, and that that really even do that exactly. That like, I I don't think people realize that putting Anthony Davis and LeBron together doesn't automatically get you to the the finals. It it really puts the front office in the forefront now to surround these guys with minimum players that the right guys around them to take them farther. And I obviously it's going to be a lot easier to get players to come especially with those two to play, but then it there's this whole narrative of whether or not people want to play with LeBron. And now it's 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 just like all it, it it's like this vicious cycle right now of if this happens, then you got to yeah. think about this yeah. and this and this. So there's not much else to really really talk about, and I feel like we're beating around the bush and doing all that. We're we're beating like a dead horse type of thing. Yes. Yeah. So, um, with all that being said, I feel like there's a lot of other interesting. NBA news going around right now. I mean, I hate to bring this up right <laughs> now, but because we usually talk about uh, the Blazers and the Nets at the end of our podcast, but I feel like it's pretty fitting to kind of bring them up a lot closer to the top just because of all the devastating news that ended up happening with the Blazers and right now it's the Nets are in a really precarious situation in their playoff race and we could kind of talk about the Eastern Conference playoff race as a whole but let's talk about the Blazers first I mean this past week was pretty sad just to be able to see I mean especially with both of our teams playing yeah. in that game, which was an amazing game. So amazing, should, you, should I amazing just do game. like long soliloquy? Or yeah, should I'm going to just... Do you want to ask I'm, me? No, I'm seating the floor. Because I could probably let this rock I, for I'm, five to ten minutes. I'm seating the floor to you. I'll, I'll bounce it back to you eventually. Right, right. So we're watching uh, the Blazers and the Nets played... Uh, Monday night. Monday night. Um, we're texting back and forth a little bit in the in the first half, you know, second half. Normally, normally I don't like to text you during games and stuff like that because I, I want to kind of be in the moment enjoying the game. But but I was actually texting you a little bit more right. than usual, I would say. So, you know, the game's going. We get to the end of the game. The Blazers pull off this – not even pull off, but the Nets kind of, I would argue. Let's not get too far into analysis of the game, but they kind of choke the game away a little bit. I mean, they the were up 10 with the, six minutes. Yeah, left. and yeah. the Blazers weren't exactly executing well. The Nets just kind of were stuck in neutral a little bit. So they come back. Seth Curry is at the line for two after he pokes the ball away from D'Angelo Russell. He misses one free throw, makes a free throw. They go to overtime. By the way, I would never put any blame on any individual action of anyone, be it a <laughs> ref or whoever. No, right, I'm, right. I'm just being honest because some people – do that so there's the first overtime i don't even remember what happens so at this point i at the end of the game i text you like just omg or something like that and you don't respond and i'm like maybe he went to bed or something later you told me you were kind of just locked into the game and you know weren't texting me back mm -hmm. or whatever which is fine it's completely fine so but I'm operating on, under the premise that I thought you weren't watching the game. So they go to overtime. I text you, OMG. They go to double overtime. They text you, OMG. I text you, OMG. And then about th two minutes into the game, 
two minutes into the second overtime, Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic lands after going for a rebound and, and goes down. I'm watching the, the yes broadcast, not the not the um, uh, NBC Sports Northwest, which I would normally watch the games for if they weren't in our local market. And uh, I, I, you can't really tell what happened. Uh, the announcers couldn't uh, initially, but you imme- then you could just kind of tell it was like immediately awful. And they go like, oh, they give you the prerequisite, like we're going to show you the replay, but don't look. I like shut off the TV, like text you because I don't think you're watching. Nurkic just suffered a gruesome leg injury he diverted and himself yes that was the exact and text it's worse than what yep. Levert did actually yeah. so i'm just like hanging my head i watch the like game just like in a daze the the blazers win and i'm just like sitting there like fuck like i can't even like i felt like i like watch m- my cat get run over or something like <laughs> that i'm not i'm not gonna lie because to to back it up, and I told you this was the soliloquy, I don't think the Blazers are cursed. Like, I don't really believe in that kind of karma or something. I don't regret becoming a Blazer fan. But how I became a Blazer fan was, and I maybe detailed this on the podcast before, I became a fan. I didn't really grow up with an NBA team, and I became a, friend, a fan of Brandon Roy, actually, through, like, NBA video games, basically. Yeah. So started following them around, like, 08, 09, like to 09, 10, started watching the games like a lot, kind of 10, 11. So basically, my favorite player, I'm getting into basketball as my favorite player is like suffering these horror, like is kind of like slowly but surely fading away due to right, these right. knee injuries. Um, I start watching pretty much every game like 2012, 2013. Uh, I have a very close memory of being, like, 2013, being a sophomore in college. It On weeknights, you, like, have nothing to do, or you do sometimes. But, like, I would watch a lot of games, and I have a vivid memory of the Blazers being a three-seed in the playoffs. They have probably their best team since I started watching them. Wesley Matthews goes down in a game against the Bulls with an ACL tear, uh, with an Achilles tear. They lose. Uh, they drop to the. F- they win their division, but like are drop to the five seed and get swept, or lose five one to the Grizzlies. I think, and then the next year everybody leaves. So there's like all of this kind of just like trauma, quote unquote, with like f- we were screwed again. And Nurkic is. I said it multiple times, like, he was the second best player on the Blazers to me this year. He was probably m- my second favorite player to watch. And, it j- like, it almost triggered this mini, like, existential crisis. Because it's, like, almost like a why do bad things happen to good people thing. Because, like, it's <laughs> this guy. No, and this is yeah, what yeah, yeah. people have said no, about I it. Agree. Like, he's having a career year. Like, he loves the game. Like, beloved by you know and like he goes down and then there's also this very selfish thing of like especially given like not to one-up anyone like you watching Lavert get hurt or i have a friend who's a celtics fan watching the hayward, La- stuff, hayward yeah. get hurt <laughs> not to but you're in the home stretch like i've like and it made me quite i'm like i've invested so much of my time this like year watching yeah. this team rooting for this team being excited about this team and i just watched their my second favorite player like like the heart and soul of this team just land awkwardly and fucking snap his leg in half like 
what the fuck. So, like, it was, like, two days of, like, mourning, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and so the next day in class, I'm, I, I want to give my, uh, my side of things on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So... So the reason why I didn't text you, I felt like oh, I needed. So I needed to give Andrew a little <laughs> bit of space. Gave space to breathe. Yeah, it was kind of like the jilted girlfriend that was t- texting the whole time, and you're just like, "All right, I need to give this person a little yeah. bit of space to kind of go through their mourning process." But the next day, we're in entertainment law, and I walk in, and Andrew's sitting there, and I just stare at him and, and we you just knew t- i was probably we, gonna turn you into right, something we literally have a moment for like probably five seconds <laughs> where i'm just looking at him like shaking my head no and then just sitting down not set we don't even talk about it until after class just because i know how painful it was to talk about it and i feel like there's people in our class around us that they're they're looking at me looking at you like what is kevin doing right now so it was yeah, it, I could tell how important he was to the team. You kind of saw the whole Twitter reaction, the NBA type of, type of support. Which is always good, especially considering how, like that I would probably not care. I, once again, love him, He, but he's a classic, like, he's a Draymond-esque type figure where, like, I would just say he's not one of the most beloved players right, in right. the league he by definitely other is not. players. So right. it's he good to not. see that also. So it... So there was all that, and then I kind of talked, and and then I just wanted to get your reaction on like how you felt, and basically he outlined everything that he said in the podcast was what he told me, but I think, and I don't, it's kind of weird to, it's it's almost like this, I don't even know what to say, but it's more like, it's it's this weird thing of how soon is it to talk about what what's their playoff outlook right, or like whatever, what's or their what playoff and after hit, hit me with whatever you like, question you want no I, because don't worry about the how soon is it right, or whatever. right like how soon is it to talk about playoff stuff but even more so like is it is I this will say this i felt pretty like the last couple days i watched them play the bulls who were starting i don't know if you saw this like one of maybe the worst starting lineups yeah, ever it was, it was robin good. lopez selden uh Oh, fuck, I can't even remember who Should else. Should I like, pull up the box Yeah, it's score? so funny. Um, who's their, like, really horrible... Oh, my God. I don't... Guy who they signed to, like, a weird contract. <laughs> Bruno something or... I'm pull- All right, I'm pulling up the box score. So the starters were... Oh, my God. I don't even know some... Antonio Blankney. He's been playing... Blankney's been playing for that. He He played for them. So Brandon Sampson. I don't. Yeah. I literally have no idea. Yeah. Wayne Selden yes. and then um, Shaq Harrison. Who's the six? Keep keep reading down because Robin I'm Lopez, Cristiano. That's Felicio. who I was thinking. Felicio is who I was thinking about. Like he was shooting threes in that game. That's how bad they were. <laughs> Rolo started. Like Rolo probably went for like twenty two or something like that because he was like the yeah. only player actual actually mm-hmm. capable capable of doing anything. But anyway, I will say. And the other interesting thing, not to like go, I don't know if anyone finds this interesting or not, but being an NBA fan in the age of Twitter and stuff, like in the age of social media, like it's the best time to be a guy like me and to like root for a team that's not actually geographically connected to you because you follow like 
a lot of Blazer accounts. You follow. I follow this fan site called. Bla- uh, well, you have Blazer's Edge. You have Pinwheel Empire, which is kind of a more like grassroots fan thing. So you're you actually feel like part of this community. Invested, right? So wh- on one hand, that really does amplify the loss. Like I was just. I, it's Every, so lame. It was like a but communal like, I thing. I couldn't sleep. I was just like scrolling through my Twitter feed, like watching what all these people were saying. Right. But and it's really like they there's this GoFundMe for like a We Love You Nurkic <laughs> billboard that like reached like ten grand. Oh like my God. it is great to see like the outpouring the of support. Right. And I will say, so we can start here. I watch that. Wesley Matthews injury in 13 and I tweeted after like I don't know if I can watch any more of this season like this feels worse than that and I will say though there's more of a palpable sense of optimism and rallying around the team this time as opposed to last time I think a great a thing you have to give Neil O'Shea credit for them at even whether it's going to mean anything in the end or not but adding Cantor and adding Hood and having a legitimate bench. In 2013, they had traded for Aaron Aflalo. I don't know if you yep. remember yeah, this. Yeah. So he went down and it was like, okay, now Aflalo's playing and like no one's behind him. And Aflalo was yeah. terrible down the stretch. This also. was like McCollum was on. Was he on that team? Yes, and, and like he didn't he play, averaged though, six right? points. The yeah, next yeah. year is when because everyone when left he and he won most yeah, yeah, improved yeah. player. So anyway, it was like like a death march to the end of the season, whereas this year there feels like a little bit more rallying. They're in the third seed for the playoff spot mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And I I think there are teams they can beat in the first round. I don't know if they will, but I I think they there are teams they can beat in the first and, round. And we talked about this, but there's like interesting matchups for the Blazers yeah. where it's not inconceivable for them to be in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, well, not anymore. I I think that's out. You think I, that's I just disagree. out of the no. question? I just yes, because at the end of the day, every by every statistical measure, Nurkic is the linchpin of the team. Mm-hmm. No matter how good you think Damian is, and maybe Dame can go to like another level or something like that. But it it, it so I I said this to you privately, but the the. Offense is, is based around, this year, the success of their offense was completely based around uh, the 1-5 pick-and-roll with, with mm-hmm. Lillard and Nurkic, and you lost that. Cantor can do some pick-and-roll, but he's more of a slip guy than like an actual pick-setter, and Nurkic is one of the best pick-setters in the league, so you lose that. And Nurkic is a better passer, obviously a way better defender. I've said to you privately, I hope they start at least matchup dependent. Consider start starting Collins at the five. I actually think he's more likely to replace w- what Nurkic did than Cantor. But um, so I don't. I think any hope of making like a legitimate run I- is gone. Right. But I do think they could still win a first. I still wouldn't put my money on it, but I do think they could win a first round playoff series. Here are the teams I think they could beat. I'll rank them best to worst. Okay. I'd put the Spurs number one, the Clippers number two, and now at this point the Nuggets number three and the Jazz number four. OKC five, Rockets six. Yeah. So, because Portland's matched up with... Some people think they could beat the Rockets. Yeah. But I, I, I just think the Rock. I wanted to talk about this with you, but I think the Rockets are the second best team in the West, regardless of seeding, so mm-hmm. that's why I wouldn't want yeah, to play I, them. Yeah, I don't think that's, like... I think that's the con- overall consensus right now, that they're, they're clearly... They're, they're cementing themselves as the number two team right behind Golden State. So, right now, Portland's sitting at third... And they're they're seated or they're matched up against L.A. 
So it's not inconceivable they win that one, and then the second uh, round would games be Denver would be Denver, possibly. right? Yeah. Would possibly yeah. be Denver. So we have to see what happens down the stretch here, though, because the good thing is, and we can transition away from the Blazers if you'd like. And w- the and good s- thing is, no yeah. team in the West is really doing that well right now. They've been, but. The Blazers, the, the Blazers are probably doing game. probably doing one of the best. Yeah, this is probably no, one of their best follow, stretches. Yeah, follow before even with McCollum out, we haven't even right, mentioned right. that's that exactly what I was going to bring out knee, too. Yes, with the knee strain right now. So, um, they're playing Atlanta tonight. That'll be an interesting game to me to actually play against like a decent team and see. Not even that Atlanta is that decent, but like a competent team and see how they do uh, will be interesting to me. Yeah, and I think what I'm curious about is is this team because I think a lot of times when we talk about regular season versus playoffs, there's different gears and different levels as yeah. to where to how these players are playing or you know are some of these teams kind of on cruise control right now knowing hey like we're all going to be in the playoffs because sacramento is six and a half out so they're pretty much out of it so the eight teams that are in the playoff spots are in the playoffs and it's just going to be matchup dependent and kind of like jockeying for position amongst themselves yeah, and mean, yeah and then they're it, they're maybe not playing as hard it's just more like all right let's just keep our guys all healthy let's <laughs> i'm right. sorry i just yeah use of nurkic when <laughs> no. you said that unfortunately no but like Aside from freak accidents, like not overplay, <laughs> yeah. not overplay players and things like that, but just kind of manage minutes and and just save our fastball for for the playoffs and try to, you know, be on cruise control before we actually enter the playoffs. Well, it's an interesting idea. Uh, I'm not sure really, but it is an interesting idea. Also, like we don't want to maybe. Now, I don't think anyone's throwing games, but like as long as we stay in the mix, like the last game of the season, if we're playing, uh, you know, whoever I'm playing the late, like the Blazers, for example, are playing the Lakers. They're actually the one team like they don't really take their foot off the gas pedal at the end of the season, mm-hmm. arguably to their detriment. They went balls to the wall trying to get the three seed last year. There's actually a really embarrassing to me, even at the time I thought it was cringy, of them in the locker room holding up three fingers because they got the three seat. (laughs) And (laughs) arguably they wore themselves out and uh, and, um, and then they lost in the first round. But anyway... You know, if you're playing whatever team, so maybe you want to be in the spot where, like, last game of the season, you're four, and you are like, oh, well, I'd rather play, or no, you're five, and you're like, oh, the Blazers are at three. I'd kind of rather play the Blazers, and you tank the last. You know, you want maybe the ability to have a chance to potentially, quote, unquote, choose your matchup. That is interesting. If I'm the Blazers, just speaking from a, a fan of a team in the in the hunt, albeit from a perspective, I still want home court. Mm-hmm. Uh, but following home court, yeah, that does matter. And again, avoiding the four five or possibly the three six, depending on how things go with 
there are kind of these distinct tiers right now as it stands where you have like the Nuggets and the Warriors and they could flip flop. Right. You kind of have then the Rockets and the I think Blazers. The, the Blazers and they could flip flop. And then you have the other teams who are pretty much close to each other. Right. right? So I can read it out right now. Yeah. So Golden State sitting at 51 tw- and 23. Denver sitting at 50 and 24th. So only one game separates them. Yeah. Portland sitting at 47 and 27, Houston sitting at 48 and 28, so they're tied right now. And then Utah, LA, OKC, San Antonio, they're basically a game separates all those teams. So how many separate Houston so from the so next? Though? Yeah, so Houston, Houston and Portland are two and a half up on the re- on yeah. those four teams. So, so it'll be interesting to see, and that's why kind of why it's important for the Blazers to keep trying to rack up wins because I, yeah, to me, I want them in that in that three seed, especially if if uh, the Nuggets end up at two. Right, and I, I th- because I think Golden State's kind of just kind of. Oh, they're a hundred percent. They're just like they're mailing a it in. Million percent mailing it in. Yeah, it seems like Denver's definitely trying a lot harder. Yes. Um, and, and I worry about like as I'm look looking at this team now. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I, I can turn. I want to turn you towards something else. I'm seeing the Blazers last year. Kind of. I'm seeing a team that's really pushing pushing it hard, and I'm. It's a young, t- different, slightly different, a team with really not that much playoff experience, and, and I have one eyebrow raised. Now, we've talked throughout the year about, like, who do we think the second team in the West is, and I've been relatively consistent. I've said the Rockets, the Rockets, the Rockets. I've you switched. said OKC. You've said, so where are you right now, and how do you feel about the Nuggets broadly? Uh, I'm not a huge Nuggets fan. I, I think it's... There's something to be said about playoff experience, even though it's kind of this intangible thing that people kind people talk about and say you need playoff experience to be a good playoff team. Um, they look good. I mean, they're they're sitting at fifty and twenty four with the team that I don't think many people expected them to be at that level at all. The Jokic has been amazing he'll probably be second team all nba and we'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast i mean it's for me i think it's down to houston and okc and i think it's pretty clear now that houston's number two but i think there's a definite drop a pretty big drop off between golden state and houston and the houston okc thing the only reason why okc has been struggling mightily over their last 10 i think they're four and six right now and there's this because i would say two weeks ago if we did this podcast two three weeks ago yusuf nurkic's leg would be intact (laughs) right and (laughs) what else (laughs) we'd be starting this podcast off with lebron and i think okay paul george would have a one like he he was one like the clear third guy in the MVP talks, and now it's it's more in question as to I where... I still think he's three, but I, I think he's fallen behind the other two. Right, right. And remember, he had... Shoulder honestly, thing. I have not watched any OKC games okay. recently, so I can't speak to it, but he did have that shoulder injury, mm-hmm. and I would like kind of keep 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 an eye on that a yeah, little bit. And I think if that's he's not able to play at that superstar three mvp level i think their ceiling goes way way down right because i think he was bit and this was the argument that 
you were making earlier on, or you were making in previous podcasts, he was basically replacing what KD was doing two years ago, three years ago. So it's, I mean, I really like the makeup of their team, but they've kind of fallen off a little bit. And Westbrook's stabilized a little bit more, but it's just Paul George hasn't been the same as he was pre-shoulder injury. So I kind of have to give it to Houston in terms of the way they look. Harden looks unbelievable. He scored 61, I think, last week, and he's 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 just on like this crazy scoring tear and i guess we could kind of go into mvp talk here a little bit do you want to go in here because i i wanted to we could or talk do you want to go in the east too. or oh, yeah. do you want to go to the east and then maybe we can use yeah, yeah. that as a bridge right because i wanted to say this uh i wanted to say this isn't our takeaway then that like even though the warriors are mailing it in and they've certainly had their ups and downs this season like does, does anyone have a shot? No. Warriors are currently two twenty to win the. This is to win the championship. Like, would you take any other team with those odds? No. They're they're gonna win the championship. Yeah. I, it's like, and I think I feel the same way. Like, there's some merit to people saying the NBA is kind of boring because yeah. you kind of know the outcome, but there's a lot of these offshoots of stories that we're talking about right now and we'll talk about later we'll talk about Devin we'll touch on Devin Booker and all this stuff is that there's like this daily drama and I think Twitter has done such a good job or has kind of enhanced the NBA's profile because they report on like the funny stories and like the daily stuff that uh that really get Jordan Bell right the Jordan apparently I have a Today they're saying that Jordan Bell bought a candle at the gift shop under Mike Brown's credit card, and that's why he was suspended. So it wasn't the porno story. No, it's a cover-up <laughs> for the porno story. It was obviously the porno story, oh, Kevin. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that got me. So there's little nuggets like that that end up really making it exciting to follow the NBA. But let's, I mean, let's talk about the East then, yeah. because... There's different sections in the Eastern Conference playoff race sure. that make it really interesting Why to talk about. Why don't we start at the bottom? Because we talked a lot about the Blazers. Let's talk, and we have had discussions before about like the top of the East, yeah, both yeah. personally and privately. So l- let's actually start at the bottom and work our way up to the top. Maybe you can give us a little rundown because it's a sure. five-team race so right it's a f- now. It's a five-team right? race. Um, so three out of these five teams are going to make the playoffs. And right now separate f- separating these teams so Detroit sitting at s- sixth right now 38 and 37 Brooklyn's at 38 and 38 in the seventh spot Miami's at 37 and 38 Orlando sitting at ninth at 37 and 39 so they're half a game back of Miami and then Charlotte's sitting at 35 and 39 and they're basically holding on for dear life but they have a favorable schedule coming down the stretch Whereas the Nets, and just to highlight my Nets a little bit, they have a brutal schedule that I've been kind of harping on. Yes. Um, and it's it's not looking great for the Nets to make the playoffs. And it's kind of crazy because they've had all this talk about, like, wow, D'Angelo Russell's really carrying this team. Um, he's really turned a corner. They're going to make the playoffs and they're sitting in, they've been sitting in sixth for most of the season. And 
it's it's gotten a lot tighter, and now I'm worried that they're going to miss the playoffs. And honestly, it'd probably be to their benefit to have a lottery pick, but it's just because of the because of how the season has gone, I kind of just want them to be in the playoffs now and just see what happens. And not that they're going to even get out of the first round or anything, but just to see over the past five to seven, five years or so of them with all the stuff with KG, Paul Pierce, the trade with Boston. It's just nice to kind of see some type of success come out of this, especially with all the draft picks that they gave up. So I'm, I'm honestly not hopeful that they're hmm. going to make the playoffs. They're two and a half. They're two and a half in the play ahead, or right so now. Or right now, Orlando's sitting one game behind the Nets. They're at eight right now. Or so at, the Nets or are sitting at, at nine. S- the Nets are sitting at seven. Miami's at eight. Orlando's at nine. One game yeah. separates. Uh, that's they're probably going to miss it. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> that, and I, 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 it's that last night that it could all come down to that last game of the season against the. Heat, we might which be would going. Be to, we might be going to that game. <laughs> Dwayne Wade's last potential game. Oh shit! Yeah, you're absolutely so we right. Might yeah, I'm not dry. Yeah, that game's going to be so expensive. We should lock that in now if we're going. Yeah, honestly, yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah, we'll podcast. we'll talk about it later. Everyone, join us. So <laughs> we'll ha- we'll have people come. It would be fun. But the last six games of the season, yeah. and they're on a two-game losing streak, losing to Portland in that double OT game, which which they, could end up being like which the could defining be, moment of the been, season. Yeah, that could have been, and it really is because to get into the analytical stuff, and this has been their problem all year. Ten, they had a ten-point lead with six minutes left in that Portland game, and all they really needed to do was kind of go possession for possession with the team and make their free throws and kind of be smart. And they ha- were having a great fourth quarter offensively. Amazing. They Amazing. were pretty much getting whatever they wanted up until maybe the six, five, six minute mark. Right. And it just kind of, they didn't know how to finish. And it, it's, I think they're, since they're a young team, they're going to learn how to do that for years to come. But D'Angelo kind of likes taking mid-range jumpers and doing these floaters sometime. And he's been making them at a really good rate, but when they don't go in, it just kind of like, oh, man. That's yeah. a- and Joe Harris didn't have a really great game that game either. They got killed by Philly last night. But they had – so the <laughs> last six games of the year, and it's it, – it, there's a potential for them to lose all six, honestly. It's Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto – at home. Those three are at home. Then on the road to Milwaukee, on the road to Indiana, and then Miami to close yeah, out Yeah, those the year. last two are the only ones where, like, you would theoretically possibly be a favorite in so, either of them. Right. So uh, if they're uh, sitting, if they, let's say, just best case scenario, yeah. they're, they're at two and four, right? That puts them at 40 and 42. Does that get it done? Especially What's Orlando's? Let's let's do a side by side here. What's Orlando's? So I'm pulling the rest up. Of yeah, the, the schedule the rest of the way for Orlando, and they have a huge game tonight or er, tomorrow against Indiana, Indiana, Toronto, both away. So that's gonna be tough. New York, Atlanta. Yeah. But then Boston, Charlotte. That's. But I think Boston might be sitting, guys. Yeah, it depends. Well, and those last, not the first three games will matter, probably, but those last two Bucks and whoever else games, the Bucks could have locked up number one by then. So Or, or Charlotte. It's Charlotte. 
Yeah, I was oh, talking oh, about it for the for Nets. Nets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. So that's there's that schedule, and then even Charlotte and Miami. I think they have a lot better schedules coming down the stretch as well because Miami has New York, Boston, Boston, Minnesota, Toronto, Philly, Brooklyn. I mean, even Miami has really tough schedule down the stretch. So if I think if the Nets could get to 41 and 41, they're probably making it. If they could go three and three down the stretch, that's like as good as you can hope for. I'm not that optimistic at all. And I could conceivably see this team going on an eight-game losing streak to end of the year and miss the playoffs. So here's the thing. You you gave me some perspective on the kind of Nurkic thing and all. And I think you have a good – here's the thing. It was exciting to be a Nets fan, I'm sure, when they were sitting in that six seed and the Pacers were sitting in the three seed. It was ju- – I was like but second who round really a- abstractly – who really cares if they get the seventh seed and and get wrecked by Toronto? And that'll probably happen against the Bucks too. It, it probably doesn't really matter broadly. I think the positives are still the pot. You know what I mean? Right. I think the bottom line of the season is the same regardless of what happens. I get completely that there's kind of a moral victory there, and I would be rooting for the Nets to make the playoffs too. But I think the good thing is I don't think it takes anything away from them to if, if they don't uh, if they if they don't make the playoffs. I completely agree with you that late game struggles and stuff like that are pretty hallmark for a young for a young team. I think D'Angelo Russell, I was super despite kind of the late game miscues, I was super impressed by D'Angelo in in that game against the Blazers. I thought he outplayed Lillard. I'm pretty confident that I'm willing to I at times was skeptical earlier in the season, but I'm willing at this point to say he's a max player. Yeah, I think uh, he's getting the max from the Nets. And I think that at the end of the day, that's kind of those are the important things, not whether they make the playoffs or not. Right. Maybe making the playoffs is better for their culture going forward because you get those four games of experience. That would probably be the biggest positive right. I'd take away from it. But I don't really think you could take if they miss the playoffs and and who knows. I think that's you can't really I like you can't really take anything away for them from yeah, them having not done so. And to But four games of playoff zone, oh my god, yeah. that would be so sweet. I know. Like, it really would like, be. <laughs> it's just oh. Danny Green banging threes <laughs> over the top of the zone oh, would be oh, so much man. fun. Yeah, I know. Can't wait for Kenny Atkinson to break that out in the stretch run, you know, to go. For, that's his lockdown. <laughs> that's going to be, if they're in, like, uh, the last, I would love, like, me and you, it's like, in we do go to that Miami game, it matters. There's, like, four minutes left or something like that coming out of a timeout, and they go to a zone, and you just, like, exploding would 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 really yeah, be I, I worth might the price r- of I might run alone. onto the court and just kind of <laughs> just shake Kenny Atkinson and say what are you doing it's i i think it the more and more i think about it obviously the playoffs would be a fun thing to have but it it's one of those things and i'm drawing parallels to like the NBA or or to the, like the NFL where like a coach will kind of be on the hot seat for a bit because they're not in the playoff race and then they go like eight and eight and then like through tiebreakers they somehow make the playoffs and automatically their job is safe because they made the playoffs yeah and 
and I think there's an argument to be made where it, there needs to be perspective in that, hey, they've had a good season this year, and they've ultimately taken a step forward. There's, they've found out things about this team that are really good, like D'Angelo's probably a max guy that I would love to keep and have around. And then the 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 three and D type of guy like Joe Harris and like all these wing type of guys are guys that I like, I like the model and the culture that they're building. There's just like a couple pieces. I feel like they're a couple pieces away from just being perennial playoff, being a playoff team for the next five, five years or so. If they can get a stretch four, this is one thing that I would love to have. And as a fan as well. And the point you made is is a good one. Uh that the good thing is this is like let's just compare and contrast the Nets and like Charlotte. Yeah. That's a team that's like sold their soul, really doesn't have that bright of a future to get the other than seed. possibly signing Kemba Walker to a to a max deal that won't be a good contract. They're selling their soul to get the eight seed. You're in this there, the Nets are in this position, completely playing within their and both from a front office perspective, like in their developmental time frame, you know what I mean? Mm. You could kind of, you just kind of have to look at it as like they were a little bit further along than it was thought and they were. There right. shouldn't be some arbitrary. You made a really good point about like coaches, and that made me think of the Charlotte thing. Like sometimes, especially fans, put this arbitrary, like kind of line on the playoff, making the playoffs versus not making the playoffs. And you have to kind of look at it. It depends on the perspective of the team. Right. And it reminds me of the the conversations that we were having last year about the playoffs and, you know, how Portland was the three seed, and but they were, like, separated by a game from, like, three to yeah. seven or something like that. And people being like, wow, they're a three seed. And, and then you're just like, you look at the standings and it does not, yeah. not much really yes. separates them. So the overall process and how this team is looking and the organization as they move forward what what they look like that those are the signs that you should be looking for um and having those encouraging signs because if you look at the bottom five teams detroit brooklyn miami orlando charlotte i mean orlando orlando and brooklyn are probably the two teams that are kind of as they're as they're moving forward even if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're like, oh, that was a good first step Yeah, for maybe next year to potentially be in the 5-6 range for next year because Orlando has a young roster as well. And I think that team in Orlando has kind of figured it out a little bit more um, in that they don't have, they don't have a point guard. <laughs> I mean, Markel Fultz is kind of like still dealing with this. He hasn't played, right? No, no, I don't know. So he's who's doing the Magic starting point guard right now? Is it so Briscoe or is it? It's I'm pretty sure it's. I I don't want to misquote. I think it's DJ Augustine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, but like they're figuring it out with their young guys with Jonathan. Not, they're doing it without Mo yeah. Bamba. So like, obviously they're doing things that are really interesting there. And 
hopefully they don't change the coach this year and kind of have because they've been having this coaching carousel as well for a long time and Steve Clifford has kind of figured it out down there so those are things that are really interesting to me um to see where they go going forward but if so Andrew I'm going to kind of put you on the spot yeah. if you had to choose the the 6 7 and 8 seeds uh, to finish out, who would you choose? Oh, I, I, the, I wouldn't really have to have the whole schedule in front of me, but uh, just like prob- off of your uh, yeah, feeling, no, off I the guess. top of my head, I'll say, I'll say probably. You know what? I'm gonna go Detroit. Uh, was Detroit one of the options or yeah, no? Yeah, yeah. yeah Detroit. <laughs> I didn't know if Detroit was yeah, actually yeah, above six. them. Yeah, Detroit, who would probably be the favorite? I was going to ask you, out of those five teams, who would be the most likely to like push someone to seven? And I would actually pick Detroit. So I'll, okay. put, I'll put Detroit six. I'll put a... You know what? I'll put the Heat seven and... and the Nets eight for for you. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So at that point, I would love that matchup because Milwaukee's kind of falling apart right now. Yeah, with sure. All their injuries with Miritich out, Brogdon's gonna be out for that first round, so that gives me optimism. Um, and then there's this report that Giannis has been dealing with this right ankle injury mm. lately, and that he, his his ankle's been pretty. He's been kind of dealing with this injury on and off for the past couple weeks now so who knows i mean you just roll the dice if you're in the playoffs so it it would be fun to see the nets in the playoffs just to tie a bow on it and but i won't be i wouldn't be upset if they missed it it would just kind of be like uh it's kind of a shame that they didn't make it but to see the big picture and everything it's it's fine like if they if they have something like this next year, I think I'd there would be more cause for concern. But then again, progression isn't linear, no. and that's well because I was going to say your case for not your worst case for not making the playoffs, even though completely different circumstances, is like that uh, crap we were just talking about that team that Suns year where like they came out of nowhere and got right. the nine seed, right. and then like stuff kind of went downhill from there. But that was a Suns front office and not a. Not a, not a Nets front off or this new Nets front off. Exactly, at, at exactly. Least. So do you want to, I mean, do you want to talk about MVP stuff? Oh, yeah, let's talk about MVP. I was going to say, I think we can kind of skip, like, the top of the East. There's not anything really nothing new, new to nothing say about new, them. Really. I think me and you both like Toronto the best Toronto, out of any of yeah. those top teams. Handicapping Toronto. Boston. Uh, yeah, we'll we see. both, I think we both feel shaky about the other three teams, even though they're, although I wouldn't put Toronto as like the prohibitive favorite. Right. But I think we both think the other three teams are flawed. I like the Bucks a little bit and more and you like the and Celtics and a little like bit the, more. But right. I, once I don't the season think closes that. out and everything's locked in, we're going to be doing yeah. a postseason preview. So let's talk anyway. about MVP. Yeah. 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 So MVP talk, we were talking about Milwaukee a little bit yeah. and how they're in the top of the league 50 they're sitting at 57 and 19 and Giannis has been unbelievable yeah. this year for them and then you're looking at Houston and they're having they're having a pretty good year especially with the start of the season that they did have James Harden has looked unfreaking like he's looked on like ridiculous he's averaging 36 points a game it's ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous so it's it's definitely between them two. We talked about we touched on Paul George being number three, and yeah. I still think he is. But I think if it was a 
month ago to a couple weeks ago, he would have been the number three op- option, possibly being yeah. that team that, I don't know, was... I don't know. He he was probably sitting at number three. No, agreed. Clearly number three yeah. and possibly uh, MVP winner, especially with the season that he was having. But he's kind of fallen off. So it's between Giannis and, and Harden. So and last time we up. talked, l- last time, because we haven't gone, we haven't said what, I, I'm pretty sure I can guess that what you're what you're going to say here last time we did remember we did mid-season awards and this was at the start of Harden's like not at the start but he had had like his his very historic although he still had he had two 50 point games in the last like yeah he had a six it did a 60 point and yeah but he was starting to have his kind of historic run and at the time you said Giannis is your MVP I said Harden is my MVP Kevin Wu has anything changed no, I don't think so. Okay. I th- I mean, I think and I think Giannis for me has solidified the MVP. Not that he's solidified. I think Harden's actually made it a lot closer, but the narrative is still there for Milwaukee. They haven't fallen off a cliff. They're sitting at 57 and 19. They can reach over 60 games. So he's hitting all of the metrics that are needed for an M- a classic MVP candidate. And especially if Houston doesn't... Like, let's say Houston s- sits at, like, the sixth seed or something like that uh, by the time the season ends. Does that impact Harden's candidacy? All of that type yeah. of stuff. And then, obviously, points-wise, Harden ha- takes the cake and he's really carried that Houston team. Um, I just think... I just think Giannis's narrative is really solid. I think that's going to work with a lot of the NBA voters slash writers that are that are writing about him and his development over the year. And I think defensively, a lot of these like advanced metrics uh, writers are going to really key on some some of that type of stuff defensively um, and talk about how he's made a two way impact um, on the team and. And I just really like the way, and it's not like he's ha- he has like significant amount of help around him. It's he's the focal point of that Milwaukee team. Um, so I'm going Giannis. I think it's gonna be really really close. And if they give it to Harden, I, I'm gonna be like, oh, he deserved it too. Like you can't rule out 36 points a night and. That's no like easy task to do. We haven't seen that since prob what we haven't seen that since MJ. Yeah. So or Kobe since Kobe during that one oh eight year I think oh seven oh eight year. So we haven't seen it since then. And then before that it was Jordan. So it's not inconceivable to me to see Harden get it. But I think he needs to finish out the season strong team wise like i think they need if they can get to like 53 wins i wouldn't be shocked if he won either yeah um i i so so who yeah who like, do i have yeah, yeah. who do you first have? i do i don't think it's gonna be that close i think Giannis is gonna win like pretty handedly not super i think it'll be like i i know the points don't work like this but like if it were percentages i'd say like Giannis. 60% hard and 30% and then like everyone else 10% mm-hmm. or something like that. 
I have. I still think James Harden's the MVP. Okay. I don't mind being a contrarian here. And here's why. I think Giannis's narrative is just so there's I just think there's way more of a pull to Giannis's narrative than than Harden's. I don't think like people are necessarily sick of Harden, but I just think Giannis has been waiting in the wings for so long. He's on the best team in the league went record-wise, having a great year. I've always thought of the MVP and I'd be interested after to, to go back to you and say, like, if you have kind of a definition for MVP and certain criteria you look at. Some people think more best player, best team. Some people think, like, who would you kind of want to start a team with? There are all these different. I think of it as kind of a sliding scale where it's like, who has contributed the most? And it's funny because Zach Lowe made this argument on his podcast. But I think if you go back to our old MVP discussion i mentioned this mine is who has contributed the most to winning basketball i think james harden's contributed the most to winning basketball this year and that's a measure and that goes into certain things i would have this would be my third if it were like up to me as long as i've been thinking about it this would be like my third straight year of picking harden mvp i would have picked him last year and i would have picked him over russell westbrook as well because you know that would kind of be my one like if you're like oh well Russell Westbrook really did contribute to a lot of winning basketball this year is Giannis that much better I wanted to ask you this do you think Giannis is that much better this year than he was last year Mm, I think he's showing signs of like improved development like especially I think since February they've talked about his like three point percentage and that's definitely a mark in his favor for sure an that's an eye-opening thing that if he's able to develop something to league average then you're just like he can be like a ridiculously transcendent player so i i mean that's probably one of the things i'd be looking for the i mean other than that like he just gets the hoop like ridiculously easy it's just so easy for him and like Simmons has kind of talked about how he's looked like Shaq and like how like the numbers that he's getting in terms of 27 and 13 or whatever and he's playing like 32 minutes a game it's not like if it's just per 36 averages then yep. you kind of like oh wow like it starts looking like he's he averages 30 and 15 so it i i think the bucks are doing a good job managing minutes things like that but I, it's really tight. I it I you can't really go wrong either way, but I think the the thing that really separates him and I think when you're I guess like parsing ha- like very very tight races like this, the thing that I look towards is like defense yeah. and like other other things like that. And that Giannis is clearly better than what Harden contributes. Not that Harden's I think a <coughs> terrible, terrible defender, and there's this whole talk about how he, bad he is, and he's not great. But some of the other metrics, like he gets a lot of deflections and steals, and he's a good post defender. So like, yeah. there's metrics that are in his favor, yeah, defensively. But overall, it it's almost like I don't know. He just doesn't give a shit sometimes. S- sure, no, and uh, but I think he has gotten better. I ha- by how much is is. Um, and th- and I think for debate, right. but the most advanced metrics have him as like a neutral 
player defensively mm. this year, whereas he was like kind of a negative in the past. So you have to give him credit for that. What what else did you want to no, say about I that? I think the, I, the only other thing I wanted to say about parsing out offense versus defense and like where does offensive game versus defensive game come into play it I, I think philosophically it depends like what type of person you are and how much you value value those things because obviously the nba like you play 50 percent defense pretty much 50 percent defense 50 percent offense but how much does that contribute to your overall value in terms of all and some people say like offensively it means like 75 percent of your value in comparison to defensively 25 percent I think it's so close offensively and I know Harden's averaging like close to 10 points a game more than Giannis that you look towards the defensive metrics to kind of see the difference and determining who wins no, but that's I, that's kind of I, my argument. I totally that. see that. Um, and I wanted to just point out that I thought this was really interesting. I was looking at this article from SB Nation that I printed out because I didn't want to bring my computer here. They're basically even in PER, even in win shares, and then like every other metric is split. Like Harden has a f- higher VORP. Uh, 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 Giannis has a higher win share per 48 minutes. Like, there's this RPM stat that has uh, Harden higher, PIPM has has Giannis higher. Like, it truly is split there. And you raised a good point as to defense. That's obviously a lingering question. But here's another thing that I think should be considered: is this year Giannis was in the perfect basketball situation for him. He mm. was played. An environment was created around him that was pretty... And I'm not taking anything away from him yeah, by yeah. any means. He would be my number two with with the bullet, and it's close. Uh-huh. He was placed in a situation that was basically created for him to thrive in, both defensively and offensively, a, a better coach. And... Uh, he didn't have to really face that much adversity. Now, with kind of more injuries, you, you've alluded to this ankle injury. That's important. I think Harden, unfortunately, sometimes gets this reputation. And this is what differentiates him from Westbrook a few years ago. Because there have been arguments like Harden this year is like the basketball nerds version of Westbrook two years ago. Yeah, because the anomaly of the points yes, being scored and, like, and things like that. And the argument then was similar to, like, Westbrook has to be doing this, but I didn't buy that at that time. I don't think Harden wants to be doing this. I Uh I think he's doing it because he has to, and he's taken whatever has been given to him. Capella, you know, being out, fine. Paul, Paul, uh, Chris Paul being out, fine. Like, you're playing with fucking, like, you know, Daniel House and, you know... Kenneth Reed, like, I don't care. I'm putting this team on my back, and I'm getting buckets at an incredible rate. And not only that, I'm not being a chucker. I'm at historically high usage and historically high efficiency, like, when you balance that out. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think it's important to take those other things into account. And at the end of the day, that's what pushes it over the edge for me, that I'm kind of looking... I place a little bit more of a higher... And you could argue that, like, I'm minimizing defense a little bit, but I'm trying to kind of put everything in more of a greater contextual picture. And that's not how everyone wants to look at it. I completely understand that. 
but that's kind of always how I thought about it, and to me, that leads me to Harden. Yeah, and I think the definition of the MVP is really interesting because I because I think a lot of people are left up to their own definitions as to how they want to define MVP, and then from there you can vote however you want to vote criteria wise. And I mean, for me, it's it's kind of been this balance of if you were to take that player off the team, what would the team look like? And then if you're to put a league average player there, what would it look like? And it it dep- I, I think it would kind of change a lot of things as to like how you'd want to do that for both teams. Um, I don't know. I think Giannis, if you take him off that Milwaukee team, it. I think they're still decent with with Bud coaching them. It's interesting because, so as you said, that I still like Harden under that no, definition. So, so maybe so it's yeah, a yeah. So it's a balance of that, yes. and then I think I also value the best player, For best sure. best team yes. type of thing. And the reason why I say that is like the amount, of, and maybe you chalk this up to Eastern Conference versus Western Conference, but Milwaukee sitting at fifty-seven and nineteen. Houston sitting at forty eight and twenty eight. Yeah, so they're they're full ten games yeah. better. <coughs> so totally see that. So that's not an insig- insignificant margin at all. Like, and they're sitting like maybe you chalk that up to coach to to Bud being the difference there, but it's not like, uh, like for the ideal, ideal basketball situation for Harden and all this type of stuff. Don't I feel like this is pretty ideal for him. Not that not all the injuries and things like that that happened, but like basic this is what kind of had had him going with D'Antoni running giving him the keys to the system and being like, "Hey, you're going to have the ball in your hands and score all these points, be a facilitator, do all these things." Maybe not to the levels as he did it, or like during the midseason, I guess, stretches of when they were playing some of these guys more regularly and some of these guys were getting hurt, like Chris Paul and Clint Capella and all these guys. But ideally, when they had all of these guys put together, I think that's as close to the ideal basketball situation as Harden would want. No, I disagree. I think like something like last year is his ideal basketball situation. I don't think it I get what you're saying, but I think ideal in terms of like him perf- like him setting it up to be the MVP, maybe okay. it is it is the ideal situation, but I don't think it's like I'm talking about kind of like other factors contributing to winning basketball. Other, okay, other, okay. other than I maybe didn't define that as well as I should have, but I was more thinking like Giannis. You can kind of look at these other things that arguably, but it's a there's definitely a flip side because I'm kind of saying like things that take away from his possible contributions to overall winning basketball. But you're making the good point that like the deficit of these other things have possibly allowed allowed him to fill it up. It's yeah. kind of in the waiting of that. that yeah, yeah. That, that like it's coming, and I think if the Maybe if the so like, and I think those are the two t- criteria. If you take away a guy, put a lead yeah. average guy, and then best team, best player, yeah. it's a combination of both of those things yeah. that I really look at. And the best player, best team aspect of it has almost overshadowed like that portion of it because I think if you do replace Harden with league average, it's not even a question. Like you're kind of like 
saying, yeah, I think that's more of an argument to Harden. But the best team, yeah. best player, like Milwaukee's the best team by five games this year. Like that's no small feat at all. And I think even like the 10 games that separate them and Houston, that's a huge amount For of sure. games that I think maybe tips the scale in Giannis's favor. But honestly, it's such a close. Yes, it's agreed. such a close. I and would you can kind no of see from and this honestly, I conversation. think if, if if the Rockets like split the rest of their games down the stretch and end up in the four seed, like can't even get to three, I think that'll really hurt. Hurt. I think the last nine games matter a lot more for Harden than than they do for Giannis. I think my argument is probably predicated on them ending up in the three seed when yeah. it's all said and done. And who as knows? stupid as we just said right, right. seeding can be sometimes. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Harden goes off for like 55 s- points. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Let's say he goes off for 55 for the rest of the season. Then you're kind of yeah. like, okay, if you're averaging 37 a game, you're just like, all right. Like, you might just get it, but... I don't know. It's it's such a hard conversation. But it is a fun race, especially there have been previous years where it's been fun too. Like remember two years ago when there was like that four man race kind yeah. of with Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, and LeBron. Like at least that like cases could be made for all of them. Right. And like I think this is fun because it really does kind of serve, as we've just demonstrated, as a litmus test for maybe what how you view the game and how you view kind of players, especially because Harden's one of them. And I think last year the Rockets were such a fun story that like everyone could coalesce around him. Yeah. But at the at the end of the day, Harden is a very controversial player. Like if you go online, like if you go to like Reddit or something like that, like there are so many people who still view Harden as like basically a chucker or like he shoots a someone lot. who's yeah. cheating the game kind of. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either of us view him that way, honestly. No, no. But it is not. such a fun I think it is a fun litmus test because an argument can be made both ways and and it's splitting hairs. And at the end of the day, I think we've just shown that it kind of does come to like maybe what do you value in in a player. And I I think clearly last year he was MVP. Yeah. And I think the reason for that was the wins aspect for of sure. it. Because they didn't they get to like 60-something games yeah, last year? Yeah, they were year? number one seed right, in the right. West last So year. like if he was anything close to that, then I think it would just be like not even a qu- – I, I don't even think it would be a question. Even if it was like if he was they're sitting at 55 and whatever right now, I think I would vote for Harden. But it's it's kind of that 10 games is a lot. And you can make the argument there where it's like, oh, he didn't have Paul. He didn't have all these guys. But even then, like now you're kind of seeing at the end of this year, Giannis isn't having Brogdon, who's been really important to their team. And now Miritich, who was yeah. a key rotation piece. So now he's playing with like DJ Wilson, who's like a good player, but nothing close to what they've they're used to having Tony, you know, Tony Snell's getting more minutes now too. So I think the argument could be made both ways now, especially with the amount of games that Brogdon's going to be missing overall. If you take a, and maybe recency bias takes, I may, I think a lot of times people think about the last like couple months of the season and say, oh, and I think you'll see this in all NBA stuff too, where, 
people turn it on for the last two to three months and they're like, wow, look at the two to three months and then kind of throw out the the first half of the year. Yeah. So I don't know how that goes. Before we move off of this, uh, I was going to say you kind of asked me to do something off the top of my head. I was going to ask you, okay. could you give me a five-man MVP ballot off the top of your head? Off the top? I can give you mine while you have... While yeah. you wait for it. Okay. I, I would have, obviously, Harden number one. Okay. Giannis number two. Paul George number three. Kevin Durant number four. Damian Lillard number five. Okay. I will, I'll give you some other possible candidates to help you. Steph Curry, um, Jokic, uh, um, Joel Embiid is another option. There might be one more I'm missing. No, I think that's that's pretty close. I think I'm going Kawhi. Some people yeah. had Kawhi. So I'm also. going Giannis, Harden, Paul George, and then I go um, Jokic, KD. Mm. Um, and it, the KD spot is between him and Curry. I think. I think Curry's been. And Curry's he, just played he, less games. He's That's played, why I put him played, in. I put yeah. KD in instead. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I, he's played a lot less games, but I think as Curry, I think he means more to that Golden State team than KD does. Yep. Like he contributes a lot more. As crazy as that sounds. No, honestly, you're probably right. I was kind of arguably undercutting my own argument there, but I the games played were too much. Right, right. I completely agree that and, Curry's more important. And I think it's like. Dame kind of sits in like five, <coughs> like he's running in that number five spot too. So it's like, um, but I I want to re- reward Jokic because of the season that he's had. This Denver team sitting in second in the West when they like I don't think anyone expected them to be this good at all. And he's the only I would say he's like the crown jewel in that Denver team right Agreed. now, and. He, he means so much to that team in in terms of how they center the offense around him and all the actions off of his passing is what makes that team go and it's really like if you haven't watched Jokic play I would encourage like any of our listeners to go watch him play because For sure. he's just he's just a fun he's like Sabonis like back in the day for your for your Blazers like he's just been amazing yeah he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league and i think uh i had him first team all nba i don't know if you did all did did we both because i think we that that especially given that we both did it over ad like i think that reflects very well on us i i would probably put Jokic Jokic six i just think damian lillard has done more like putting the team on his back no i i can see yeah i can see that it's splitting hairs at that point so I don't know where you wanted to go from here after this talk. Yeah, I know. It feels like a logical place to wrap up, but I can't. Can, do you want to just do five quick minutes on Devin Booker? Because we've never really talked about okay. him before. And I've I was just kind of interested in knowing if you think Devin Booker's good or not. And then I wanted to give you a thought experiment. Okay. Let's. All right. Let me give my opinion on Devin Booker because. A little bit of context. He's had two really big scoring games in the past. He had 59, 15. and then I think he had 54, 57 against. Your kind of hometown Washington Wizards, yeah. and there was that. Did you see that clip on Twitter where like he goes to a fan like I'm going for fifty tonight? Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is, which is that's, pretty cool. That's really and, uh, yeah. that's really cool and funny. Yeah, I think a lot of like to go back to NBA Reddit. I think a lot of people are kind of 
in or out on Booker. Yeah. They're intoxicated by the scoring output and the amount, like how easy it comes to him. And he's basically like offensively Clay Thompson, but can dribble a little bit more and I would say playmake a little bit better. Um, I, I, I go back and forth on it because does this in the grand scheme of things really matter? Like I, let's say you were to give KD the, the green light to kind of shoot anytime he wanted to for one game. Like how hot, how, how many points could he score? My man, you're sliding perfectly into my hypothetical, which was going to be this. I think I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. That out. Because this, this is kind of what I'm really not sure. I get what you're saying about Clay. To, I think Booker's not as efficient as Clay Thompson. Right, right. That, that matters, and also Clay Thompson's better at defense. I know you weren't trying to say he's better, but so here's what I was thinking, and I think this is a good benchmark. And because I'm really not sure, I'm pretty, I'm pretty torn. Like my answer isn't that interesting. It's like we have to wait until he actually has something resembling a decent team around him before we can we can decide. Right. But I was gonna say if you traded. Devin Booker and CJ McCollum, could McCollum do what Booker's doing for the Suns now, and would Booker make the Trailblazers meaningfully better? So and would I you would you do starter. that? Would you do that trade? I really don't. Uh, yes, but barely, and I don't think that bodes. I just don't think that bodes well for Booker necessarily because that puts him at like a t- the twenty maybe like twenty third best player in the league where. CJ's 25 or yeah, something like and that. Like, he has to improve in so many aspects of his... Like, Booker's a great player in terms of scoring, but, like, yeah, I was definitely not trying to compare him and Clay, other than no, yes. other than just, like, a little bit better playmaking, but defensively nowhere near what Clay can do. But the argument is kind of, like, who can you put in that Suns team? Uh, let me go back to this. Who can you kind of... At what point do you say this team is what they are and they, like, when do you wait till to be like, all right, this team is has, like, everything around Booker for him to succeed and then they should kind of take the next step forward? Here's the point, I and I was thinking about this in terms of my McCollum hypothetical too, which is why I think it would be interesting to put him on the Blazers or something because the point where we can start judging him, I think, is the point where, like, He's not the only focal point of the offense, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the case right now. Until they have some... If, like, if Aiton emerges as, like, a legit number two option on it, it's hard to say. Because, like, if I say on an okay team, you're assuming the Suns would be okay. But when he doesn't have the freedom to do this basically is when we can start yeah basically it. when and he it's intertwined arguably with him and coaching and other stuff yeah too. yeah basically when he gets called out for like not for taking a 30 footer like five seconds into the shot clock and makes it kind of like it, it's like oh he gets the green light to shoot that because he can make those but then at the same time do you really want someone shooting 30 footers five seconds into the shot clock every time you're going down the floor or basically hunting a shot. And this is where bad habits develop for young players. And it's not that he's, I don't know if he's developing bad habits necessarily, but it's almost that mentality. I wonder how 
being in an envi- in an environment like that where he, they're just constantly losing year after year after year, like at what point do you and and this is like a whole greater MBA ph- philosophy type philosophical type of question where and I think this is what Philly ended up kind of dealing with as well throughout their process. At what point do we kind of go forward and say we want to be good? And then where do we kind of keep, I guess, go back and say we want to be bad and tank and all do all this type of stuff? When you can't figure that out and you just are in this, I guess, <laughs> this situation of just being bad for a long time, time without having an actual plan to be good then you're gonna be in trouble because these good assets like Devin Booker even though he's like locked in there for a while just kind of become apathetic to their situation and just are resigned to the fact oh I'm gonna just be here I'm making good money I'm living in Phoenix (laughs) you know just like enjoying life and then putting up 25 points a game yeah. Like what I I don't know what's there to discourage him from getting or seeking anything more than that. And I'm sure he had obviously every NBA player probably has aspirations to be better and be part of a winning situation. But I wonder as to when this Suns organization and this this Sarver piece ended up coming out a couple I think it was a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. Yeah, it was probably two to th- it was probably 3 weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So talking about like the organizational dysfunction of that Suns team and whether or not they're able to kind of get over the hump. It, it, it I'm curious to see what ends up happening with this team. They have a lot of good, I think a lot of, if you take each individual piece of this team, people would be like, oh, I'd take him on my team. Like Devin Booker, I'll take him on my team, obviously. If there was like, I don't know who else there is, Mikael Bridges, like, yeah, he can be somewhat. T.J. Warren, T. probably J. not War- at his contract, but right. you know, as on the whole, like Kelly Oubre, like yeah. maybe possibly take him. Now it'll be interesting if they're slotted at number two. Well, whether or not say, they get John Morant I was or say, Zion, or our one answer of these could guys. come as soon as next year if they got Zion, Jaw, or R.J. Barrett. I would say any of those guys are arguably, well, obviously Zion and probably R.J. and maybe Jaw are immediate candidates to be focal points of the offense which would kind of have Take my the situation road. come into play at that point you have to start looking at Igor Kokoshkov and saying like are you going to implement some sort of system or like where are the guy and you brought up a good point with Philly Philly had even during the process they were at least and think about the Nets or someone there are these guiding principles of like we want to eventually do this or do become this right. type of team or play a certain way you know such and such, and there doesn't seem to be any of that with the Suns yet, and that's intertwined with the Sarvers thing. Like, where's some culture is so important in the NBA? Where is something to to set some sort of guidepost? It just seems like a holding pattern that they're yeah. in, kind of like, all right, we're gonna wait till we're we have all the pieces to yeah. be good, and then from there we're gonna start implementing yeah. stuff yeah. because like there's no they're like there's no point in implementing stuff right now because it's gonna go all like it doesn't matter at yeah. this point. But um, yeah, once you have that culture develop, people start buying in, and then that's when people start start wanting to come, and this is. And becomes like an important off season, like to attract 
different veterans to come to they're like oh i i like what that team is actually doing even if i'm trying to get a ring i'm okay to go here because i could kind of see the vision of where this team wants to go and i don't i'm curious to see what ends up happening with this phoenix team i mean like it's it's fun to kind of like see can Jimmer Fredette like do stuff? You know, like that's a joke. But <laughs> didn't he go like two for eleven yeah, in two, Utah or yeah, something? Yeah, I think he had the most, like the second amo- most amount of shots during that fifty-nine point game. That's funny. Yeah, so it's just I don't know. And then for your thought experiment in terms of like what pl- I think a lot of NBA players, not a lot, but like all the traditional type of guys that we think of as stars in this league could probably do this. Like even someone like D'Angelo Russell, he's kind of shown like uh, in the context of a a team that's in the playoff hunt can kind of get to this level if he really wanted to. He could he could chuck up shots and it's not like the the amount of points that Devin Booker is scoring in these games are really contributing to winning efforts you know like they still lost to to utah by 30 something points they lost to washington by three points like they're not it's not contributing to any winning success so does it really matter what ends up happening if he scores 50 and they're like yeah we still lost by 20 points like it doesn't it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter like i think any and not, th- and that's like a sh- a strong statement. I think any above average NBA player, if they're put in a situation like that, hey, you can go like Spencer Dinwiddie. You can kind of go off for a game. Like, yeah, like he I'm, is having good. The one thing I'll stop be aware, he is having good. Like it's not like he's go. Well, I don't know what are the stat lines, but it's not like is he go. It's not like he's going like. T- 12 for 100 or something like that. You know, I'm assuming he's he's having, like, yeah, decent, I, he, decent he, lines. He's shooting efficiently. Like, like I think... But I do get what, what you're, you're... You made a completely valid point as to, like, how, like, how much... And that's the crux of this whole point, why I wanted to talk about this is, and you completely nailed it, the key question is, like... At what point does it not matter unless unless you're successful? Now, if he was if he was doing this in a Harden like situation, yeah. then I'd be like, okay, this yeah. is like a potential star. Yeah. Like, and I think people think of him like that, like he, because of the amount of points he scores, and it's more a function of the inept coaching and and players around him that aren't getting it done compared to actually him not getting it done. But he was 19 for 29, went to the line, not, and he shot 9 for 10 for 50 points against the Wizards. So it's not he's not being inefficient at all. 19 for 29, that's, a, that's really solid. And then during the Jazz game where he scored 50-something, 59, 19 for 34, 16 of 17 from the line. The most more impressive thing for me is getting to the line at the rate he gets at when he scores these high fo- volume, um, like he scores at these fifty point games because that's the more impressive thing when off of his playmaking for me. No, agreed. Know. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting thought experiment. I'm curious to see if if they get Zion or John Morant or R.J. Barrett. 
which they're sitting pretty to get one of those guys. If they do, then I think it'll be a fascinating like outlook in two years, I would say. But if they get Zion, I would kind of expect results next year. But if it's one of the other two guys, if in two years, if they can't get it going, then you kind of have to ask yourself tough questions. Yeah, agreed. Sons. So... I mean, we're sitting at an hour 30. Yeah, I, th- I think we wrap it up. We wrap so, it up here. Yeah. We chose Booker over as our ancillary topic to R- cover. We right. can do Lillard's yeah, Supermax so, the right, next exactly. time. So we're going to probably do a playoff preview podcast yeah. once all the... So we're, we'll are we be off for like two weeks uh, for the NBA, and then we'll come back and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. Playoff preview, we'll give our final... I don't I, I don't think it's going to change in terms of MVP type type of talk but playoff stuff playoff preview I think hopefully there's no like and this is where in the last 2 weeks not much can really change except for injuries so hope keeping our fingers crossed hopefully no one gets injured or significantly injured that'll impact the playoff race but and we can certainly make some you know series predictions right right and we'll, pick we'll our, make some pick predict- our finals and we'll s- and, and stuff. i'll do the tabulations for the final records for True. our preview or w- during our preview podcast we chose we did an nba draft and we did our team selection so I'll, I'll do the final tabulations for that as well um so until next time thanks guys for listening in if you haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and i want to thank andrew for coming back on thanks kev